So Father, this morning we exalt your holy name. There is none like unto thee, O God, no one who is worthy to be adored and praised this morning. We lift up the name of Jesus in this place. We exalt your name, O our God. How great thou art, how great thou art. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not his benefits. This morning, Lord, we exalt you. We exalt you. We lift you up. We lift you up, O God. Great art thou, O Lord. You are great and you are worthy to be praised. As we lift our hands up, we magnify your name. We magnify your name above all the situations that we have in our lives. We magnify your name, Almighty Father, against politics, against health problems, Father, against the economy, against the struggles in our families. We exalt your name. We lift you up, O oh God. We fix our eyes on you this morning. You are worthy to be praised, O oh God. You are worthy to be exalted. Holy Spirit, we love to be in your presence. We worship you this morning. Thank you because you are a healer. You are a comforter. You are a help in times of trouble. Father, even as the deer panteth for streams of water, so our souls and our hearts, we pant for you this morning. Thank you, Lord, for just embracing us and accepting us as we are your children we have an identity we have a hope because you are with us great art thou O Lord great art thou O Lord and for anyone who is feeling crushed this morning anyone who is feeling like things are overwhelming I feel like I have too much on my shoulders and there's, there's no help coming from any side. We magnify the Lord in your life. May God send help from his holy hill into your life. May you feel the strength and the, and the sustenance that comes from his presence. May he strengthen your shoulders to fight. May he strengthen your knees to stand whatever you're going through. In the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Let's give our amazing band a round of applause. You guys can take your seats. Good morning, young people. <laughs> and young people with uh, gray beards and uh, no hair on their heads. This morning is a special morning because we, we are focusing on a very special generation amongst us. And we're going to be talking to them for the next couple of minutes. I uh, am blessed, obviously, that we have the O'Neills with us. Every time I see you guys in the crowd, I just, my heart just gets so warm and cuddly. So we're taking your passports and burning them. <laughs> Give them a round of applause. Always great to see them. We're also quite privileged this morning. We have got a family that's visiting us all the way from uh, Boston. Let me say this nicely. Massachusetts. <laughs> How did I do? <laughs> well done. Some young people who are varsity, uh, they're on holiday, and they graced us 
with their presence. They drove all the way from Franchuk early to make it to the service this morning. So welcome. Welcome to church. Welcome to church. I don't know if you know, but there is a, a battle for the minds of our young people. There is a battle for their minds, their perceptions, their belief systems, their decision-making, and the values that they hold true. The enemy is quite strategic and deliberate about attacking the minds of our young people. And if we as a, as a community and as parents and as a faith church don't put the same emphasis on fighting for that area in their minds, we will lose the battle. I don't know if some of you are following the local news, but uh, this week in East London, 21 young people perished in a tavern. The youngest was 13, a couple of 15-year-olds, a couple of 17-year-olds, in the middle of the night, dead drunk in a tavern. Some say it was chemical poisoning. Some say it was a stampede after there was chemical poisoning in that tavern. And over this past week, there have been conversations around who is to blame for our young people having the freedom and the liberty to be out in taverns in wee hours of the evening, drinking themselves dead. And some people have been saying, well, it's definitely the government, right? Uh, the government should make sure that these social ills and vices should be controlled. Some people say, well, it's also definitely the police, because the police should be making sure that any of these establishments that are open, there's age limitations and things like that. And some people say it's the parents. What type of parents would allow the kids to be out at night, no idea where they are, and then in the morning they want to point fingers. This week I was having a conversation with someone from church and um, this topic came up and he said to me, do you know that even in the Somerset West community that some of our children in this church are invited to parties, some of their friends at school, where their parents will open up their homes and the parents will disappear and they'll leave these children with unrestricted access no supervision, lots and lots of alcohol, substance abuse, and so forth. And some of our kids have had to be honest with their parents and say, we can't keep going to these places because the stuff that's being done there is not right. But do you know what? There is a battle for the minds, the souls, and now the lives of our young people. And we need to stand and guard against that. Let us pray. Father, as we get into your word this morning, we are taking ground. We're taking ground and we are we're holding captive any principality, any power, any opinion, any law, any rule, any constitution, anything that is, is hindering the young people of this nation and the young people of the world coming to the cross. Anything that pushes them away from your truth, anything that pushes them away from your values, and from the life that you have promised them, we come against that in the name of Jesus. We speak life to them. We speak life to our young people. We speak life to them. We speak a bright future. Your word says in Jeremiah 29, you know the plans that you have for these young people. Not plans to harm them, but for them to prosper, for them to do well, for them to have life and life in its abundance. And so, Father, we, we, take, we take that ground in their minds. Father, in the schools where they go to, the communities where they live, the groups of friends that they have. We're praying, Father, for, for your truth. We're praying for your freedom. 
We're praying, Almighty Father, for the revelation of the standards and the values of God to, 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 to just emanate out of our young people, Lord, even in their schools, so that we win this war in their minds. That, Lord, the values and the expectations that you've set upon them may be true. In your name, amen. Okay. They said I've been speaking long enough, so I should get down. Bye, guys. <laughs> All right. Um, can you guys hear me clearly now? Okay. Claude, why didn't you put your hand up if you couldn't hear me? You're my friend. Come on. Come on, buddy. You're killing me. <laughs> we're, we're continuing with our, our series, War on Wisdom, and it's important that we, we speak to our young people, especially when we talk about wisdom. And when you're reading... The, the book of Proverbs, um, you get the sense that there is, there is Solomon, obviously, who wrote the bulk of the book, and he's writing a manuscript to, he says, his son. But for our young people this morning, any scripture that we read and we say, my son, it's son and daughter, it's all of us, okay? So don't think this is only for the boys. But he's looking back as a father and writing this manuscript, and he's saying, what are the things that I can say to my children? I'm now an old man, I'm now an old king. What wisdom can I give to them that they can apply in their lives? The book of Proverbs is quite interesting in that um, as you go through it, you actually find a lot of real practical life lessons and a lot of things that you can take on practically that can help you with your decision-making, with the way that you live your life and your standards. But right in chapter 1, Solomon kind of gives the, the overview of what Proverbs is about. In the Hebrew, Proverbs actually means contrast. It's really a contrast of what's good versus bad. You know, what is prudent and what is foolish, what is right and what is wrong. So in chapter one, and I will put the scripture up, he starts to say, the Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, the king of Israel. He says these Proverbs are for gaining wisdom and instruction, for understanding words of insight, for receiving instruction in prudent behavior. How many young people want some instruction on prudent behavior today? right? For doing what is right and just and fair. What is right? What is the right thing that we have to do? The Lord distests an unjust weight. What is fair? Proverbs talks about making sure that you pay a just wage to the people that work for you. It talks about when you have something to give, do not withhold it, right? Forgiving prudence to those who are simple and knowledge and direction to the young. Our young people need knowledge and direction. Now, I grew up in a typical African family in a place called Rusape, right? Um, way down in the south of Zimbabwe, we used to have a very big family. So whenever we would gather as a family annually so that the relatives continue to know each other, we'd, we'd kill a cow, right? a beast. So typically, I know most of you just buy your beef from checkers and pick and pay. But in the African villages, we actually kill the cow, right? I know that sounds gross, but we actually do, right? And um, over the years, one of the things I noticed was when we killed the cow, the small boys, no, no killing of cows. Stop. <laughs> you do eat cow, you know that, right? <laughs> so the small boys, their role was to run to the kitchen and get the knives and the dishes and then bring them, right? As they got a bit older, their role was actually then to, to sharpen the knives, right? So they'll teach you like the different types of rock in the villages. So there are certain rocks that you know this is the, 
the rock that you used to, to sharpen the knife. As you got a little bit older and you're like a teenager or so, you, you actually now get the privilege of going to the crawl to go and select the cow that's going to be killed. And then you're actually told, we don't kill cows close to other cows because cows are very communal. So they actually mourn. If they see one of theirs being slaughtered, they'll, they'll actually mourn like people would mourn. And they also will not be slaughtered somewhere where they can see or smell the blood of the other animal. Right? So you, you start getting these lessons and you start learning. You get a bit older, you actually get taken to the place where the cows are now slaughtered. Right? And that's about maybe about that age, 18, 19, 20. And then you actually get taught how to slaughter a cow. And, and so in our culture, you, you have to kill the beast in a way that it doesn't feel pain. Right? It's very, very, very humane. Like you, you don't punch it and kick it in the mouth. Right? There's a strategic way either of putting the knife over here or the axe right at the back of the head so that it dies instantly without pain. And if you don't kill it properly, the, the, the cow goes into shock and it, it releases some enzymes and the meat toughens. So when the women actually cook the meat, they'll see that it takes longer for the meat to come out. They know the cow has not been killed well, right? And what actually happens afterwards is you get taught how to skin the cow, you know, how to, to cut it from the hooves and you can literally pull the hide off. And all of that is taught to a young man and eventually you have to go and pay lobola. Now in the olden days, what would happen is you'd go to your, to your wife's family and they would actually give you the task of going to kill the cow that would be fed on that day, right? And if you were not able to kill the cow properly, they would know that you have not been raised well. It was always the duties of the husbands and the fathers in the family to teach their young people how to do these things. Now, full transparency, I've never killed a cow. <laughs> But I have murdered many goats and chickens. <laughs> yeah, I've got some friends who like have, are into animal rights. They won't like that joke. But there was a responsibility in our communities where the fathers and the mothers would teach the young people the things that were right. And that's what you find in the book of Proverbs. There's firstly the responsibility to guide, which actually sits with parents. And I don't know if uh, you're of the new school where parents would say, look, they're young people, give them time. They're gonna be fine, they're gonna figure it out. You know? um, parents, if you're not teaching and guiding your children and you're leaving them locked up in their rooms with their devices on the internet all day long, and the only time that you see them is when they're going to the fridge, right? And when you put them in the car and you drop them at school, if you are not teaching and guiding your children, guess what? Someone else is. Parents have a responsibility, a God-given responsibility to be, to be the first principal guides and teachers and trainers of the children. That's why Proverbs says, train up your child in the way that he should go so that when he grows older, he will not depart from it. There is a responsibility for omas and opas and dads and moms and uncles to train and to teach and to guide. And so in this scripture in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 1 to 4, this is, this is now Solomon writing, and he says, Listen, my sons, to a father's instruction. He says, Pay attention and gain understanding. I give you sound learning, so do not forsake my teaching. He's actually the one who is teaching. He says, don't forget these words that I'm teaching you. He says, for I too 
was a son to my father. This is a time when I was also a little boy, right? You know, youthies, you don't understand this, but one time your dads and your moms were exactly your age, right? They had pimples on their faces, and they were struggling with exactly the same thing you're struggling with, right? But I was still tender and cherished by my mother. Then he taught me. He says, my father, when I was your age, he taught me. And he said to me, take hold of my words with all your heart, keep my commands, and you will live. How many parents want their kids to have prosperous lives? How many of you want your children to be great and to achieve all the things that you want for their lives? Then teach them. And it's great to teach them how to change attire, right? It's great how to teach them how to do a proper braai and Uncle Joe how to marinate the fish. And Uncle Joe said to me, you don't buy snook from the shop. You don't buy snook that's been frozen, right? It's like you need to go and buy it fresh from the sea. I was like, <laughs> and then I was speaking to uh, Simon the other day, and I was saying, I've got a gas braai. He was like, no, Matthew, you don't braai on, on gas. You need, you need a proper charcoal, and, and, and you need proper wood. And you're saying, you know, when you're now braying your snook, you need to put, after the charcoals have died down, you should be able to put your hand for five seconds. That's the right temperature. It's good to teach our children those things. But even more importantly, it's good to teach them the law of the Lord. Next scripture, Proverbs chapter 3. You may be wondering, what exactly should I teach my kids from the Bible? Solomon writes and he says, My son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart, for they will prolong your life many years. They will bring you peace and prosperity. He says, let love and faithfulness never leave you. Young people, let love and faithfulness never leave you. Love, love for people who are different from you, different races, different colors, speak different languages, come from different backgrounds, go to different schools. People are people. We all bleed red. And God loves us all the same. Solomon says, let this love never leave you. Faithfulness. If you say, I'm going to be there at 2 o'clock, I'll be there at 5 minutes to 2. If I say, I'm going to pick something up, I'm going to pick it up faithfulness. I've, I'm a man of my word. He says, let those things never leave you. And fathers and mothers, we need to train and teach our children this. Because our children need, can only learn this from observing this from our parents. He says, bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. A good name is more desirable than riches, Prophet says. To be esteemed is better than silver or gold. Tell them that their reputation, their integrity is important. How people see them, how the community views them is important. The world tells them, you live only once. Do as you please. It's your life, it's your body. Tell them it's important what people think about you. It's important how you present yourself before God and before men. So we were, we were talking in the car on the way, and my kids don't allow me to talk about them when, we, when I'm in church. But um, my son is not putting on a belt this morning. It didn't feel like putting on a belt. So we're having this conversation about putting on jeans and belts. And, you know, so my wife says that she doesn't like it when men or youngish boys don't put on belts and then they're walking around and you can see what you should not be seeing, right? <laughs> you know, and, and some young people think it's fashionable, right? But there's a generation of us who don't find it fashionable, right? Um, I've, when I first moved to Cape Town, 
I found skinny jeans really weird for men, <laughs> right? I was like, a man should not put on skinny jeans. I've got a few now, <laughs> right? <laughs> I've got a few now, right? But with time, with time, we have these conversations with our children and, and we, we teach them and, and we train them and we guide them, but we also hear them out, right? We hear what they're saying and we, we find common ground. And that's, that's, that's the principle that we find in the Bible. He says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him. He will make your path straight. We teach our children to trust in the Lord. One of the things we try to do in our, in our home, and I hope we, we all do it in our homes, is when we, when we pray at night, um, before we go to bed, we don't hide our prayer items from our children. So if we're genuinely praying for someone to get healed, or we generally have a problem at home, whatever it is, or we're applying for a certain job, we let our children know. Because we want to practice and show them that we trust God for big things and for small things. So do that as a habit, right? Like, they must see you trust God. They must see you go on your knees and pray and, and, and cry out to God and fast and, and, and seek the Lord and read your Bible. This is, this is us being active as parents in teaching and training and guiding our children. Do not be wise in your own eyes, he says. Fear the Lord and shun evil. When the world is telling our young people, do you know what, you're the smartest person, you're special, you know what, you, you go get it, you're better than everyone else, believe in yourself. The Bible is actually saying, do not be wise in your own eyes. Philippians says, let this mind that was in Christ also be in you. Christ who was in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be held onto. But he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, he humbled himself unto death and even death upon a cross. You have those conversations with the children and tell them, you are not the first one to graduate with engineering. Okay? So consider people better than you. You're not the only person who can play rugby. South Africa has won multiple World Cups before you were born. Right? So don't walk around all puffed up. Be humble. Fear the Lord. Shun evil. We teach our children these things. And the parent section is about to end. Right? One of the challenges that we have as, as parents is we want to be cool moms and dads, right? And we want our kids to be happy. And so sometimes we think, do you know what? I don't want to be militant. I don't want to expose them to this house where there's so many do's and don'ts, you know? I don't want to be that parent who comes across as, don't go here, don't say this, do this, and so forth. So I want to be cool. I want my kids to like me. But I tell you, it's not cool parents that make happy children. It's actually godly parents that make happy children. Many, many years from now, your children will thank you for the way your house was, you know, when they looked at all their friends who were having fun and they were out in the streets and doing whatever they want and your kids thought you were absolutely terrible. Like, my parents are absolutely not fun. Like, they've got all these rules. Like, <laughs> I had someone actually once say, um, you know, this parent of mine, it's like they're like a, a, a jail guard. Like they're just there, literally, just to keep me in jail, right? But you know what? It's godly parents. Later, these same children who might absolutely disdain you today, they will thank you. Someone said amen. Parents, you're off the hook. <laughs> so my question to you today, parents, before we start talking to the youth is, what Proverbs are you teaching 
your children? What wisdom are you passing on? So here's Solomon writing all these things to his sons and to, to his daughters. But you as a parent also now need to be writing your own proverbs for your children. Sit down with them and say, hey, with your first job and your first promotion, don't buy a used BMW. That is a bad idea. <laughs> okay, that's a bad idea. All right? That's great advice to give. But also give spiritual advice. Hey, when you're going for that promotion, have you considered just praying about it, fasting about it for a week or two, hearing God, what God is saying, then you go into that interview. So I want us to be whole parents that give the practical advice and the practical proverbs, but we also give those spiritual advice and those spiritual proverbs. Amen. The second thing that I pick up from the book of Proverbs as we're reading it and we're talking about wisdom is there is a willingness on the part of the young people to be guided. Young people, we need to be willing to, but to be guided. I know sometimes your parents look like they don't know anything, like they look like they're outdated, they have no fashion sense, but you know what? God has taught these people a couple of things which would be of your benefit. There's a scripture in Proverbs chapter 6 and verse 20 which says, my son, keep your father's command and do not forsake your mother's teaching. It says, bind them on your heart, fasten them around your neck. When you walk, they will guide you. When you sleep, they will watch over you. When you are awake, they will speak to you. There's a requirement here in Proverbs chapter 6 for the young people. It says the things that your parents are teaching you, you need to keep them. It says the things that your mothers are teaching you, do not forsake them. He actually says these things, you need to bind them around your neck, to fasten them around your heart. I'm going to ask my young man, Marcus, to come to the front. I'm going to use him for an illustration. Give him a round of applause. Yeah. This is the coolest dude in the Southern Hemisphere. <laughs> yeah, him and his brother are always putting on shorts, even in the coldest weather. So, Marcus, I know your mom and dad were really well. Well, sort of really well, especially the bald guy. Ouch, yeah. Um, he's teaching you a lot as a dad, right? One of the key things that our young people need to know is that you are in a learning phase right now. So I brought you this little sign. Show all your friends. Thou art learners, saith King James Version, right? <laughs> the good thing about being a learner, especially when you're learning to drive, is there is a part of you that needs to accept that there is something that I don't know how to do. And there is someone, usually the driving instructor, who actually knows how to do it. And if I submit myself to the driving instructor and listen to the rules of the road as he teaches me, I am going to get my license. A lot of young people don't think they're learners, right? They think they have licenses already. And that's why you find them doing things that are not for their age. You find them in places they shouldn't be because they don't think they're learners. Now, the responsibility of the driving instructors, I'm going to ask your mom and dad to come. Oh, yes, really. <laughs> no, no warning, no warnings, no warnings, no warnings. Marcus, you really get all your good features from your mommy. Eh? <laughs> now that everyone can see. 
Your parents' role is to teach and to guide you. I'll give mommy too, because I think she's the better teacher. And they have all these rules and all these regulations and all these lessons. And what they do is they'll come to you and say, Marcus, this is what we're teaching and training and guiding you as a young person. And the Bible says, keep your father's commands. So dad, come and teach him to stay away from electricity and put, this is really actually for him, not for you, even though it looks good on you. So you come and put that on his neck. Yes, on his neck. I know you like it, but <laughs> you put it on his neck. <laughs> so there's your father's lesson, right? Mom comes to you and says, hey, Marcus, wash your hands. Multiple times a day. Mom also says, stay away from those cigarettes. <coughs> and mom and dad have done their part. Let's give them a round of applause. Now what the Bible is asking our young people is your parents have invested so much time and so much effort to teach and to guide and to train you. And the Bible is saying, my son, listen to these things. Do not forsake them. It says, bind them around your neck. Keep them close to your heart. Because guess what, young man? The day is coming when you're going to be at varsity somewhere like these guys in Boston. You're going to be staying in your own apartment. You're going to be living in your own house. And mommy and daddy will be now enjoying their lives retired in Hawaii. <laughs> right? And all the moms and dads say, amen, amen. Now you're preaching. Now you're preaching, right? <laughs> Preach it, right? <laughs> and guess what? That is the moment where you need to remember these things. It's not the moment to say, I feel good. Da -na 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 -na. I wish you that could now. Uh -uh. Let's give Marcus a round of applause. And these same things that you have learned and that you've kept on your neck, you train them and you teach them to your kids and your children's kids. Keep your father's commands. Keep your mother's words. Do not forsake them. Bind them around your neck. It says when you walk, they will guide you. They will look after you when you sleep. These things that your moms and your dads have invested in your lives and the things that they've taught you, those things will work many, many years from now. When you've got your own houses and you've got your own homes and you've got your own children, some of those lessons will prove valuable. The last thing I want to talk about this morning is to our young people. It's never too early for you guys to fall in love with Jesus. My mom and dad were um, very strict about church. Right? So I grew up in a household, and many of your parents, actually, they won't tell you this, but we grew up with undemocratic parents. So if we're going to church, everyone was going to church. My wife tells this story uh, of her grandmother. Her grandmother had a rule that when we're living at church, we're living at a certain time. If you woke up late... Whatever state you were in, you were going to church in that state. So 
she says one day, I think one of her cousins, you know how teenagers are, their shoes are all over the place. So this cousin, I can't remember if it was Ruvimbo or someone, only found one of the shoes. If the door is locked and we're going to church, you're going to, she went to church with one shoe. But do you know what? They were hard, they were strict. They forced us to do these things and we absolutely hated it at the time. Our friends were out partying on Saturdays. They were going to the movies and to the malls. And a lot of us were actually forced to go to youth meetings. And we absolutely hated it. But you know what? We were set up really early in life to bump into Jesus. It's never too early. It's never too early for you guys to develop your own relationship with God. For you to wake up in the morning without mom and dad forcing you. Without mom and dad calling you to say, hey, come let us pray. For you to just get up by yourself and open your Bible and say, do you know what? Let me just read the Bible for myself. Let me hear what God is saying. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes 6, 12, verse 1, remember thine creator in the days of your youth. These are the days for our young people to actually remember God, to hear from Jesus, to be able to, to meet with him and say, you know what, Jesus, I'm a young person. Here I am. What are you saying to me? Now, I know that you've got a lot of stuff to do at school. You've got assignments, you've got sports, some of you are in the sports teams, some of you have got homework, some of you have got projects that you're doing, and those things are very, very, very important for you. But even in all those things, God is actually able to work with you and to reveal himself to you. So there's a young man called David, and we read about it in, in the book of Samuel, First Samuel, and there is a war going on, right? So you've got all these adults who have gone to the battlefield, and they're fighting the Philistines, right? And this small little boy who's got chores, just like you have chores, right? Who's got stuff to do, just like you have stuff to do. Um, and his chores in those days were to look after the sheep in the pastures, and that's what the small little boys did, Right? And then his father says to him, hey, do you know what? Uh, take some food to your brothers. They are at war. And then he gets there and he gets to the camp and the people are terrified. Is this really big man, giant of a giant. And he goes out and he curses Israel and he, he curses the Israelites and all the Israelite men are scared and they are hiding in their tents. And there's this little boy who goes and he says, who is this uncircumcised Philistine who defies the armies of the Lord? Don't worry about the word uncircumcised young people. It's, it's beyond your age. We'll talk about it some other time, okay? But who is he that defies the armies of the Lord? And everyone is like, who is this little kid that is asking these questions? At that age already, God was already speaking to David. And then he says, you know what? If no one will fight him, I'm willing to go and fight him. Quite interesting what uh, the king says to him. Saul goes and says, hey, little David, you can't go and fight this man because you are just a youth. You're a small man. He says, Saul replied, you're not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You're only a young man. You're only a little girl. You're only in grade nine. You're only in grade seven. And he has been a warrior from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. 
When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, I struck it and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. The God who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. Here's a young person who already knows what it is to work with God, who already knows what it is to depend on God, who already knows what it is to, to have God by your side. Even when grown men and women are trembling in fear, God has already spoken to a young person. And I don't know where you are, young people, right now in your schools, in your groups, where you are with your friends, but I want to tell you that God is already ready to meet with you. You don't have to be Rwan 28 or 25 for God to call you. Right now, God can already use you. The Bible tells us that one day, Mary and Joseph, they're going away from Jerusalem and it's a whole caravan of people and all of a the sudden, they're looking for Jesus and they're like, where's the little guy? There's nowhere to be found in the crowd. And they get into a panic, they look for him, they run around, they can't find him, they go back and they find him in the temple. 12 years of age, already debating about the law with people who were grown, people who were already mature. Young people, God is actually able to meet with you right now. And he's able to minister to you and he's able to actually work through you in your schools to bring about what is fair, what is right, and what is just. Because God can meet us at any point. Talking about imagination, I I long for the day where, even in this church, we see our young people helping with carrying instruments. Danny will show you how to do it properly. Packing chairs, helping, coming early to church for prayer, sitting in our life groups. I actually challenged one of our elders that the next time we have a mission trip to the Eastern Cape, wouldn't it be wonderful to see some of our young people going to those communities seeing the need for the people who are less privileged, the people who need the word of God, the people who actually even need just social relief and, and support. Young people, your time is now. God has got a specific word for you. And God loves you. I was forced to go to a youth camp in 1997 by my parents. I didn't want to go at all because it was just the week straight after the school term closed. So I was like, oh, I've just come from school. I need a break, right? But my bags were already packed. My mom used to buy these little books called Our Daily Bread. I don't know if you remember them. They used to have a, a scripture and a devotional for every day. And she would randomly come and check if you're marking and color coding. So sometimes I would just mark and color code just to make sure it looks like I'm doing something. On the opening night of the youth camp, I was sitting somewhere in the crowd just waiting for this thing to be over. Like, it's only day one. Oh my gosh. It's three days long. I can't wait to go back and, you know, go watch the latest movies with my friends. And that night in 1997, I felt the presence of God for the first time. And I'd been to church a number of times. I'd been going to church all my life with my parents, sitting in the pews with my parents all my life. But for the first time, by myself, I actually felt the presence of God. I was not even expecting it. 
I was spooked. I was spooked. I was spooked unto salvation. I was like, wait a minute, God, you're real. And I never felt so sinful ever as at that moment. And I started to pray and I said, God, I think I'm going to die. I was in his presence, like, God, I'm going to die. I'm so sorry, please don't kill me. I'm such a bad, bad boy. I didn't even want to be here. I'm sorry for not wanting to be here. And I gave my life to the Lord. Ever since then, I've never turned back. And God is waiting to have an encounter with our young people. Parents, let's encourage our young people to come to youth meetings. Let's encourage them to go to youth camps. Let's encourage them to sit with us in our life groups. Let's encourage them to read their Bibles, to join us when we pray. And God will meet with them. I want to ask all young people who are in the congregation to stand because we want to pray for you. If you're a young person, please stand. Parents, I want you to huddle around your kids. If you don't have kids, just huddle around the young people that are close to you. Omas and opas, you can just stretch out your hands as well in any direction. We'll wait for the beautiful young lady to get to her, to her parents. There we go. Lord Jesus, thank you for these amazing, amazing champions. Thank you, Almighty Father, because every one of them is precious to you. Thank you because you have called them. You know them by name. Thank you, Father, because you have an amazing destiny for them. Thank you, Father, because they are world changers. They are record breakers. They are culture shifters. Father, they will take territory for the kingdom. Thank you, Father, because you have gifted them with your grace, with your knowledge, with your love. Thank you, Father, because they are going to be amazing warriors in the army of the Lord. Thank you, Father, because no weapon formed against them shall prosper. That nothing that the evil one has planned for their lives shall come to root because you are covering them. Thank you for their friends. Thank you that they are the light of the world and that they are the salt of the world, that they will bring the gospel to their friends and to their schools and to their communities. Thank you right now, God, that you are already revealing who you are to them. That Holy Spirit, you're already stirring up gifts in them. Your word says that your young men shall dream dreams, that they shall see visions. Thank you, Lord, that you're already speaking to their hearts and challenging their spirits to search for you and to long for you. Thank you because there will be a standard of righteousness wherever they go. Thank you because there'll be beacons of what is right, what is true, what is just, even as teenagers, they'll be able to stand up for the truth. Thank you, Father, because you've prepared their hearts and that you've selected them. And so, Father, we cover their futures, we cover their professions, we cover their studies, we cover their relationships, we cover their marriages, we cover their children. We speak a blessing upon them. We thank you, Lord, that they will bring upon a new wave of righteousness in this community and the communities around us. Everybody said, Amen and Amen. God bless you, young people. Give our young people a round of applause.
If you are not attending youth and you're a young person, I want to encourage you to speak to Uncle Sergio, who has been blessed by a baby and Auntie Tammy. Let's give them a round of applause. When schools open, please come and attend youth. Parents, please release your children to come and join with others and let them be blessed and taught and trained in the house of the Lord. God bless you. Amen.